The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like being in the middle, sexual harassment, and trusting your gut. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a big episode. <laughs> yeah. But first, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not qualified to do this. No, we are not professionals. We are not trained in this. We've never taken any seminars on how to fix relationships. In fact, we are just two mistake-making humans mm. who have a lot of opinions about your personal life. <laughs> so please, Our new tagline. <laughs> yeah. So please take our advice as you see fit, or maybe don't, because we laugh at our own jokes. <laughs> It's funny because we're laughing now. <laughs> it's like getting really meta. Uh, we're just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to episode 72. Mm -hmm. 72. And now it's December. It is. Ooh, it's cold. It's your favorite <laughs> season. Uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite season, but... I do love Christmas. Yeah, I meant season, not like natural season. Yeah, like, I meant like I, the most not... unnatural season at yes. all. Um, the season of giving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I already started listening to Christmas music in early November. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're the type of person who rolls over on November 1st and is like, I yeah. don't want a lot for Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I was talking to a friend about it and she was like, Sam, like this was in like early November. She was like, Sam, I started listening to Christmas music. And I was like, I did too. And 
I was like, I just decided that I wasn't going to deny myself the pleasure <laughs> of it. Like, it used to be like nothing until December 1st. And then yes. like, you can do like go all Christmas all the time. And then I was like, that's a dumb rule that I made for myself. Like, I just want Christmas music all the time. That's fine. Um, do you have a Christmas tree? Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have like a hand painted or- ornament on that Christmas tree that is a portrait of your cat that someone who loves you very much painted you last year? <laughs> yes, I do. I wonder who that was. I was so relieved that it made it through the move and I knew exactly where it was when You're I needed to find it. You're lying to me. It. You're lying. <laughs> anyway, I painted Sam a uh, portrait of his cat on an ornament. Yes, Tad. Yeah. Check out my Instagram if you want to see <laughs> too Todd. many pictures of him. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and also, like, we are uh, both Christmas celebrating people. Mm-hmm. So apologies to those who do not celebrate Christmas for listening to us talk about Christmas music because it's probably everywhere anyway. Yep. <laughs> We're just adding to the din of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so we wanted to finish the conversation that we started two episodes ago about cohabitating with your significant other. And we two episodes ago, episode 69, mm-hmm. no, se- 70. 70, we talked about... How to cohabitate in sharing of the chores or the household things that have to get done. And today we're going to talk a little bit about money Mm. um, and shared expenses and what are some approaches of how to navigate that. I also want to add before we jump into this, probably like a month ago, no, a month and a half ago in October, one of our Patreon episodes was all about money, money shame, debt shame, yep. how to deal with that in relationships. So if you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com slash pod, all one word. Um, subscribe for just $5 a month and you get an extra episode every week in addition to the main episode. And mm-hmm. you get access to all of our back episodes like that money episode. Yeah. So check that out or maybe give it to somebody as a gift. Mm-hmm. Patreon. <laughs> um, but so money, money stuff. Yeah. Living with your partner. Right. So you recently moved in with your partner. I did. So how did you two decide about money? Uh, That's a great question. Um, So we we have an income inequity. Mm -hmm. I'm a self-employed podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we've moved from poet to podcaster now? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm not a writer anymore. I'm a podcaster. Um, Just kidding. Uh, You can buy my books, though, if you want to support me this giving season. (laughs) Uh, They're all really good, especially the most recent one, because it's dedicated to me. Yeah. If anybody has my Today Means I Men book, you can see a dedication to Sam on the third page or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, she works for the government in Mm -hmm. the DEC state agency for the Office of Climate Change. And so she obviously makes... More money than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, she also owns the house that I moved into. Oh, uh, okay. So um, that already set us up, not not for challenges, but like we're not coming to the table with the same tools or or the same right money bags. <laughs> and, spoiler: No one is. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, how we handle it is that um, I try to go above and beyond to contribute to the thing to our home expenses mm-hmm. um i uh i buy all of our groceries i pay for the utilities and internet i pay for like the little bills mm-hmm. and our groceries which is like you know i don't know 400 bucks a month or whatever right plus utility bills and things like that um and she's paying for the mortgage mm. and that is working out for us yep. because that is pretty equal to 
the inequity between our incomes. Yep. Meaning, if that whole, if all of our home expenses were um, a pie, ch- you know, pie chart of a hundred pieces, um, she makes probably sixty parts to my thirty or forty. Right. If that makes sense. Yep. And we felt like that was the best way for me, for us to divide up our finances, our costs. We'll get to talking about like maybe shared accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, but we thought that was the best way to divide up our costs for now, particularly because I'm still working off to pay, paying some debt. Right. That if we get married in the future, will eventually become her debt, right? So like I'm doing us, I'm doing her the bigger favor or us the bit better favor aggressively paying off my debt instead of like mm-hmm. helping her with a mortgage that she can cover on right, her own. Do you know what it. I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's the choices that we made. Very personal business putting out there to a bunch of people. But no, but like we also need to we need, we need to, to destigmatize it. talking about money, right? Yes, exactly. Like we need to we all first of all need to be talk be able to talk about it with our family and with our our significant ones. others. We should especially be able to talk about it with our friends. Right. And so like but I also yeah that's what I'm saying. Like Let's all talk about it with our friends too, right. right? So let's let's take the the awful like taboo off of it and right. be like, here's how we're thinking about our uh, expenses. Like right. I have told multiple people how much our house was and like yeah. what our mortgage payment right. was because exactly because it's also helpful for people who are like thinking about that too to be totally. like, what is realistic for me? Totally. Like what are we trying to do? Yeah, and I'm not going to do it here because like there no, are no, too many it. of you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But like with with people that I know and trust, like I'm I'm super th- willing to be. I like, agree that I think it's pay. so important to start talking about money, especially because you know women make less money on the dollar than men, right? And they say that you should definitely start talking about what you're actually making at your job. Like voc- people keep that their those like their paycheck cards close to their chest, mm-hmm. but they say that if you talk about it openly with your colleagues, then you can more quickly recognize. And out income inequity in your business. Right. For sure. Um, I definitely don't get paid as much as like my colleagues because I'm self-employed. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> or I'm you get paid more than most. all of your colleagues. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, so uh, that worked out well for us because I, while I could contribute to, I could contribute um, a percentage to our shared mortgage now mm-hmm. however that it's like it's taking one step forward two two steps back if i'm not dealing with the debt that i have yeah um but however if we're talking about cohabitation strategies it's been really wonderful to pay for all of our meals i pay for like little house projects like paint mm-hmm. you know like i'm painting our house and um and paying for easy bills utilities like water power yep. internet things like that that's been very easy transition for me because then it's like I'm not Venmoing her for this. I'm just dealing with this part on my own. For sure. Especially because you get paid so irregularly yes. too. That yes. you like to have smaller mm-hmm. like things that come up and be able to like totally. rather than being like, okay, and I have to I make this like much I feel like I'm really contributing month. because yeah. I know that on her personal budget, she can literally take groceries off of it. Like right. I can I can cover that. Um, it also makes me strategize a lot about saving money <laughs> via food. <laughs> Um, so that's how I do it. Um, I do want to talk about like the options of shared bank accounts or not, Mm -hmm. but let me ask you first, like how you and Peter are dividing up 
Or like dealing with your incomes. Yeah. So li- and living together. We're like in a similar situation except for opposite, which yeah. is that you make more. Yes. I have a cushy philanthropy job and Peter is a teacher. So <laughs> uh, Oh, so, our American values. Right. So I uh definitely make more. Um and so what we did when we were buying our house was that we were super intentional in making sure that the mortgage payment I could pay for by myself if yes. we if that needed to happen. Right. At the time, Peter was also like looking for work too. So like right. we had to think about that reality. Um, but we made it really intentional. So then we could have the conversation where, you know, because Peter has student debt and car debt and like other things that I don't necessarily have. Right. And so we just had a conversation where I was like, how much of this are you, do you think you would be able to pay right. every month? And then that was the figure we just, we right. went with because I'm perfectly capable of, doing the whole thing, right? So uh, that's what we decided. And then we split almost everything else. Yes. So like he will, Peter does the grocery shopping and then he will like Venmo me for half of it. Right. Um, And like for the most part, I will do that too, but there'll just be some times where I'm like, it's a target run that I would have to pay for if I was living alone anyway. Right. So like, I don't need you to pay half of this and it like fits within my budget, right? And so- Leading into the next topic, what yep. made you and Peter not combine your finances, um, like, in an actual account? Mm-hmm. I think we're just both very independent people, and I don't think that either of us wanted to be concerned about what the other person was spending their money on. Yeah, like, you just didn't want to, like, open that. Yeah, and, like, you know, if Peter wants to buy 12 video games or whatever, like, that's his—like, that like, go that's for it. That's his prerogative. Right, and, and I think the only thing is, is, like, if he— isn't able to pay the mortgage or whatever, but like that's never been an issue. So it's more like, yeah, as long as you can like afford to participate in household expenses and like cover basic needs, like your money is your money. Like do the things that you want to do. Right. Um, So we did, yeah, we just decided to do that because it seemed more complicated than like trying to put everything together. Totally. And we have, I mean, we do have a shared bank account that we will put things into Right. So like it was Her from the projects, wedding yeah. originally, like putting money into that. But um, and so like when we moved, we both agreed to put some money in it. Right. I put more than he did because of, again, our different levels right. of savings and income. Um, And then we use that money to like buy furniture and stuff. So that right. seems to work out pretty yeah. well. But I will say as somebody who recently made that move and who talks very openly about finances with their partner, there are a lot of cool, helpful articles online. I can't yep. cite any of them right now, but basically who who broke down all the different ways to share expenses, whether yep. it's like um, it's out of one bank account, it's shared, it's um, about income inequity so that you always pay 60% of the bills and the other one always pays 40%. Yep. Or the other way, you know, or like individual bills, et cetera. Um, there are many different ways to approach finances, but the number one thing has to, has to, has to be transparency. Right. And transparency without shame. For sure. That Where is yep. this money shame going to get you? Nowhere. Exactly. Nowhere. And I think like, and I think that was a big thing for me uh, initially was like, when we were buying furniture, for example, it would be like, well, I really want this. Like, we both really want this thing, but right. it's out of range for Peter because he doesn't have the money to pay right. for it. And so then I would just be like, well, I'm just going to buy it. But then. I want it. <laughs> because, right? Because I can afford it yeah. and I don't want us to not go with that with yeah. this because that's a stupid thing to right. say that we both have to pay equally for a thing that I can easily afford by myself. Exactly. Right? And so that's just how, being, That's where I fall generally. I, yeah. I understand if people are a little bit more protective over their finances. For but sure. like... And like... Yeah, and that's a decision that I am making 
I without wanna, fear or shame about it. Yeah. And like, and it's also like Peter and I have conversations about money. So I feel like he also yeah, doesn't you know feel where he's at shame too. about it. And yeah. I am, I'm constantly like, I would buy this if I was living alone. So like, it's not, it has nothing to do with you and whether or not you can, like, it's not a marker of the fact that you can't pay for it. Right. Like, it's yes. just that like, we want this thing and I have the means to afford it. So like, I'm just going to buy it. I want to jump on this though, because what you're talking about is really great in a healthy, balanced, yeah. transparent relationship. But in, I know that I've experienced financial exploitation by a partner. For sure. So I want to make sure that we are clarifying that the relationships we're talking about are hypothetically happy, healthy, whole, mm-hmm. like very um, stable, long-term relationships. And also, I would even add like relationships in our 30s in that we have had some time to sort out our finances on our own. Yep. Um, and we know the impact of not doing that. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, but I would say that just because you can afford something for your par- for yourself doesn't mean you should always purchase it for your partner, right? Yeah. That um that in some if you're just moving in with your partner and um maybe there are some red flags about finances. For sure. Um, just be it's you don't have to be um, withholding, but I I do think financial exploitation exploitation is totally a thing that happens. Oh, for sure. And I don't like buy him clothes or and, like yeah, I don't buy him things. That's like, totally not what's happening with you and Peter. Yeah, I just no, thought like, of it. Yeah, because I also wanted to add like this is coming from two relationships that. Um, this is not our first time living with a partner, for sure. and this is a very serious. It's not our first time moving in with a partner. I guess is right. what I'm saying. Um, if this is your first time moving in with a partner, first things first, talk about money. Talk about how much you make. Mm-hmm. How much can you afford? How what's much the debt percentage? Do you have? Yes, and how much debt do you have? And what's in your bank account? How much savings do you have? Right, totally. Yep. Um, and uh, we can. You can hear more about this. More Sam and I going into depth about our talk. Our personal beliefs about money and relationships on our Patreon. Like I said, but the number one thing is to take the take the power away from the shame by mm-hmm. talking about it, by like yep. getting it out into the air. Um, if you are sharing finances with somebody that you moved into, make sure that you both have reliable sources of income or a backup plan mm-hmm. before you sign that yep. um, moving in together contract, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, um, because you will get caught with somebody else's bills if they kind of, Yep, for All sure. Off the yep. financial wagon. Yeah, if that per, if your partner doesn't pay the rent, then you have to pay the rest of the rent. Like, yeah, it's, totally. The landlord doesn't care where it comes from. The landlord just wants the money. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, any tips that you can think of, like, I, like moving in with your boyfriend for the first time? Like, what are some learning curves that you had to figure out financially in the beginning? Uh, live within your means. Yes. So, like, I think. Uh, like suddenly becoming a two income household can give you a You're false, like, I'm a baller. Yeah, can give you like a false idea of how much money you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of the struggles from the first time that I lived with someone, some of the struggles about like, oh, but when that person doesn't make enough tips to be able to cover rent, then it needs to come out of my portion of right. my income. Right? right. And so making sure that And so that's why we did this thing with the house, right? Like we don't want to buy more house than we need. And we want to make sure that if something bad happens, like we will be able to continue to afford it. So like, even though it feels like really awesome that now you can buy that couch because you have two people buying the couch together, that's great. But also recognize the fact that like 
this isn't forever and you need to be smart about what if you break up with the person and you have to live in that apartment by yourself or what if that person loses their job and you have to pay for the rent by yourself like don't get distracted by the two and the sudden two income household. I totally agree because you might feel like you have twice as much income, but you have twice as much expenses too. For sure. Because you're using twice as much toilet paper and twice <laughs> as much food and you know. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, it's true. That's a good thing. Uh what am I I guess my biggest tip would be that if you're if you are thinking about combining finances one day, either literally or figuratively, mm-hmm. like getting married and not having a shared bank account like Sam and Peter, yep. or that you're just moving towards that place where you're going to be paying for house things together or life things together. A big thing that helped me um, was realizing, again, that I can, if my girlfriend was willing to support me mm-hmm. or like support this. Yep. Um, I'm helping us just as much as I'm helping myself by yeah. paying off my debt. Mm-hmm. I used to think like, oh my God, I have to contribute. I have to contribute or else she's not going to see me as like a viable adult who yep. is financially attractive, right? Yep. And all of a sudden I realized the way I can be most attractive to her is <laughs> think about our future so much that I want to get rid of my debt for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that's my way to contribute to our future, not like putting away money to our savings while my debt increases. Right. Makes sense? Yep. Yeah. I mean, also, I think if you are the person in the relationship that is not contributing as much financially, that does not mean that you are not contributing to the relationship. Exactly. Right. And so um, don't let anyone take advantage of the fact that you're not contributing because that is what predators do, right? Yes, totally. And there's like a lot of shame, I think, of coming in and being like, oh my God, I'm not I'm not contributing as much as the other person. But you are bringing other things to the relationship that are not finances and that, that are just as important. Yes. And so don't come in, coming into a relationship with a deficit mindset of like what you are, you are costing this person more than you are giving is the recipe for a very unhealthy relationship. Unbalanced, yes, yep. absolutely. I totally agree. I think Sam and I could talk about money forever. Like maybe we should have a spinoff <laughs> podcast that's just about like love and money. Uh-huh. That would be a good one. <laughs> well, like we hate money, but we love it and we love to talk about it. Well, because we need to think about it all the time. Yes, and and I, all of my 20s, I didn't think about money because mm-hmm. I was too ashamed and I was too scared. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, I can take control. It doesn't matter how much you make, mm-hmm. it's about knowing how much you make fully. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. It's about it's about the knowledge and it finally makes you feel like you have control. For sure. Um, instead of your money controlling you. Yeah. When I was teaching financial literacy courses as an AmeriCorps member, that's when my, my like awakening to finances yes, happened totally. where I was like, oh, I need to be thinking about this very differently. Yes. yes. <laughs> Mostly we're, because we're I'm making taught- $18,000 a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, AmeriCorps. Okay. That's um, right. Yeah, I think that uh, does it. And then in maybe next week, we'll talk about cooking okay. <laughs> and quality time. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's get into our letters. Our first letter is from Parker Klein, who is writing to us from the Great White North. Hello to the fabulous hosts of the podcast I've been binging for the last two weeks during the long work shifts for my 12-hour day job. I'm 27 and have had a lot of interesting relationships and hurdles in the last seven years of my life after coming out as a trans man. Early on in my transition, I started my first relationship with a woman. She was 22 and I was 23. All was well, but suddenly it kind of took a turn. She was polyamorous and I decided to give it a try as I was open to the idea. 
That was until the third she wanted to add into the mix was a 16-year-old boy. Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> nope. No, 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 no. Hard no. Nope. I immediately put up my guards because of this and was not okay with the concept, so she decided not to date him. At least that's what she told me. As it turned out, she was seeing him behind my back. After two months, I found out we split. They became a thing and were together for a long time. Due to all of this, I ended up getting into a really rough headspace for a while regarding trust, which wasn't fair on future partners. I did, and I'm still continuing the head and heart work to move past this, which would be good news if it weren't being jeopardized now. Four weeks ago, the guy messaged me and is freaking out because she broke it off with him. He's basically been messaging me every two days asking for my advice and help on winning her back, saying, quote, four years is too much to throw away just like it was nothing. I guess my question now is if I should let this guy who willingly hurt me by doing what he did make me feel empathy for their breakup or guilt over the fact that I don't feel bad for how things ended between them. Part of me feel, does feel bad about the fact that she took advantage of a kid who basically was looking for a mother figure who would enable him to not develop certain necessary life skills. Mm. But then I also just think of all the hurt and doubts the whole experience planted into my head. I would also like to make note that I am seeing someone again, and she's been tremendously understanding about my past baggage. Coincidentally, her name is Sam. Thank you so much, both of you, for this podcast. You're doing fantastic work. I hope to hear back on your thoughts on this chaotic situation I seem to found myself in with my ex's ex-boyfriend. All right, Parker, thank you so much for writing and sharing this little shitstorm with us. Um, Samuel. Yeah. Have you ever dated a 16-year-old? When I was 16, yes. Yes. Accurate, (laughs) appropriate answer. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, Uh, Do we have to? Yes, we do. The line of consent, or like the age line, right? What is it? It's different every state. Yep. The age of consent. Right. Somewhere between 16 and 19, I think, everywhere mm-hmm. through the country of the U.S. Um, I know that some people argue that it is an imaginary line. Mm-hmm. But the reason why th- that line is in place is not because young people don't have agency. It's mm-hmm. not because you can't fall in love with somebody who's 10 years your senior. Mm-hmm. It's not because you are children, right? Um, you Young people who are 16, 17, 18, those are young adults full of hormones and Um, emotions and are active participating beings in our world and deserve to have experiences. However, why that line is in place is because whether you like it or not, or whether you intend this or not, there are certain power dynamics that become um, subconscious when you're dealing with older and younger people. When you're a teacher, you have a certain power over your students, not a power, but like, you are the disciplinarian, right? Mm-hmm. When you are the parent, you have a power dynamic between you and your children. Um, when you are the older, more adult, established, experienced person in a partnership, you have a power dynamic of experience mm-hmm. and quote-unquote expertise or or whatever over your younger par- partner. And we all know that when we're younger— Because of our lack of experience, we get ourselves into situations in which we can really be hurt Mm -hmm. by people taking advantage of that inexperience. For sure. 
So I just want to say that, that it's like, despite anyone's best intentions or their good, true love that mm-hmm. they might have had between this 16 and 23-year-old, um, I want to express my wholehearted <laughs> endorsement of how not okay that is. <laughs> because... Um, because I, I really think about the best thing I can do as an adult for my students or for young people is to mirror the behaviors that I want them to exhibit mm-hmm. in their adulthood. Yep. And if I were to date one of my teenage students, um, th- I'm not mirroring to them what a healthy, balanced adult is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Parker, your ex. <laughs> Yup. <laughs> and you know this. I mean, you said it in your letter, like that, that this is the, was a weird maternal figure and it was wildly inappropriate. Um, we don't need to tell you that. I just wanted to like put that out into our little internet ether. For sure. Um, to explain, I, because I hear some people in the like depths of the internet argue about that line of consent or age of consent because they're like, oh, well, they can buy cigarettes or whatever, you know. I mean, I think that, consenting sexual relationships between people of similar ages is like going to happen. And that's great. Like, I mean, I think that like, we don't want to police people's behavior. I also just think that like the power dynamic is very real in that. Um, And that there are, there is like science around brain development and sort of the ability for folks to be able to make decisions with a full understanding of the ramifications of them. That is really troubling when someone who is has more understanding of the situation than someone else does decides to take advantage of that. And let me add one more thing. It's not like a damn let the kids be kids sort of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I will say to anybody out there who might be listening to us in their teens, um, your life is going to pass so fast. Mm-hmm. Your life, you are going to be in your 30s and married potentially in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> there is no reason why you have to speed through your life. That's true. Yes, high school sucks nuts, but you will never have to go back there once you're done. That's right, except for in your dreams sometimes. Ugh, I constantly dream <laughs> that I'm in my high school and I'm not wearing any pants and I have to pee. That's great. Yes, and I have to pee and then there's not a stall. Mm-hmm. There's door. There's no door in the stall. Somebody analyze that for me. Seriously. I don't want to (laughs) know. I just have a dream that I'm back in high school and I'm in theater again. And I'm. And you don't know lines. And I have not practiced and I'm supposed (laughs) to go on stage. (laughs) Anyway, Parker, back to you, my sweet. Um, Have you. I have had a similar experience to this. Have you had an ex's significant other reach out to you? I don't think so. So the shitty person I was talking about last episode yep. uh, who like forced me to like friend break up with some friends in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. Um, after we broke up, like six years passed and his girlfriend Facebooked me, Facebook messaged me and was basically like, so-and-so is having so much trouble. I, he keeps going back and forth about these things. He'll he'll go out all night and never come home, and t- basically described all these abusive gaslighting behaviors and was like, "I just like you're the only person who would understand." I'm wondering if you can help me out. And I wrote back and said, "Like, I mean, I can't believe I wrote back." First of all, <laughs> <laughs> I was like so triggered by that letter, uh-huh. and I wrote back and I was like, "I need some time to decide whether or not it's healthy for me to." talk about so-and-so 
because as you probably know, we had a very unhealthy relationship. And she wrote me back and said, oh, of course, I had no idea your your relationship was unhealthy. (laughs) And so then I was like, I am not going to, I'm not going (laughs) to engage with you. (laughs) And you know what? Okay, so not a great example. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not a great example because I feel bad because that woman like reached out to me in like a point, like where I don't think she was realizing how unhealthy and like gaslighting and toxic this, my ex was being to her, just Mm -hmm. like he was to me. Um, But Parker, at some point or another, we have to allow ourselves to not be the saviors for other people's stories. Right. Um, It is not my job to save every woman from my shitty Mm -hmm. ex-boyfriend. And in that moment, I was, it took me like four days to respond to her first Facebook message to decide that to decide to tell her I wasn't even sure if I could be there for her Mm -hmm. because it was so triggering for me. And then at the end of the day, we have to remember just because we have access to people doesn't mean this is normal. Right. Right. Uh, There's like this study that was published by this psychologist named something, something Dunbar. And he, he established the Dunbar number. Have you ever heard of it? No. It, It was based off of, he hypothesized based off of research about, like brain sizes of primates and the number of people in their social circles. Mm-hmm. So he he took those studies and like hypothesized that humans based on off of our brain size and our behaviors that we can only maintain like 150 relationships at a time. Hmm. And that includes people we talk to on the phone, family members, um friends, significant others, people we see at coffee shops that we would say hello to. Hmm. Like, it's not even about intimate relationships, but it's about people who we would run into and and be able to carry a conversation with. Hmm. Do you feel that number is high or low? It seems right. I'm having trouble fathoming 150 people. <laughs> well, how many people came to your wedding? How many people came? Like 105? Yeah. Yeah. So add, like, work colleagues. And many of those were people that I didn't know because they were Peter's right, people. Right, Um, And I so I think about that number a lot in having like a a writing persona, like an online, like a persona for my, not a persona, an online platform for my work where people follow my work or just break up listeners, you know? Yep. Um, uh, but I also think about that in terms of how much access we have now that almost forces that number to be so much higher. Yeah. And just because we have access to people doesn't mean, or just because people have access to us doesn't mean we owe them something. Right. So this is a very long-winded way (laughs) to say, Parker, I don't think you need to respond to this kid. (laughs) (laughs) The least empathetic I've been this entire podcast. Uh Uh-huh. What do you think? Um, No, I mean, I agree that you shouldn't, you should not feel the need to respond to this person. You can you can approach this person with empathy for what they are going through because we can approach any person who's going through a difficult breakup with empathy, right? But you do not feel need to feel any guilt about this because right. your actions had nothing to do with the situation that this person is in. And you don't need to feel any sort of of um like beholdenness to them right. either, right? You do not need to fix their problems for you them. Just because they were tangentially related to your breakup doesn't mean that they that you owe them anything in that, right. right? And so I would say you do not have to respond to this person. And right. I would often like my advice to you would be don't, but I also know that like 
you might want to. Right. And I think that you can, but I think that you need to do it in a way that puts as much distance between you and this person as possible. Yes. To Use say, a I'm, career pigeon. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> like, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Sounds like a really rough breakup. Good luck with it. Right. Yeah, like something but, kind, but, but dismissive. Yeah. To be and, honest. and say like, but that relationship was a part of my past and I'd like to leave it there. Yep. But that's what it is. Like I, well, we yeah. get a lot of letters being like, oh my God, my ex was so shitty. And now I see them out with other people. And I feel like I need to tell that person. Mm-hmm. And that's a great example of the capacity of the heart of our hearts, the capacity of empathy we have for, sure. for people who are not in our inner circle. Right. But we are not beholden to them. Mm-hmm. We are not beholden to fix the mistakes that other people are enacting just right. because they made a mistake with us. For sure. Right? So you are not even connected to this breakup, even though it might feel like you are. Right. And Your, your honest, life has moved on. Absolutely. To be honest, you are the last person who should be taking this burden on. Exactly. Right? And so I think you can, if you feel the need to not just ghost this person, which I think is fine, you can say that. something <laughs> like it, right? You can just say like, I'm really absolutely the last person that should be talking to you about this. Please talk to people who are closer to you and can offer you more support than I can. Right. Good luck. Right? <laughs> Thumbs up emoji. Yeah. And that's, I know that sounds callous, but, but. Well, I just think that we live in a world so much, in which yeah. people really expect a lot from everyone. Right. And we, we don't owe people anything. And, well, we just can't. We, we right. cannot, we cannot give of ourselves to every single person who asks of us. Right. You can. You can extend so much. You, how about this? Save your empathy for someone in your inner circle. Mm-hmm. Because this boy, this man, has people in his life. He's just not turning to them. For sure. And I would even say, like, we can approach him with empathy and understanding, right? Like, that's fine. Yeah. But just because you have empathy for someone doesn't mean that you need to fix their problems for them. <laughs> There's the tagline right there. <laughs> right? Like, empathy is different than, oh, now it's on me to fix this. Right. Like. He's going through something really shitty and that really, really sucks. But it's not your issue to take care of. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Parker. We hope this helps. We love you. Thank you for writing. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and 
and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from L. Faraway, who is writing from The Void. Just a trigger warning for this next letter. It contains uh, sexual assault. Dear Sierra and Sam, thank you for always being there. I love you. We love you. Yeah, great, right? like, <laughs> what a wonderfully succinct way to put it. So seven years ago, after I finished high school, I went abroad a few months working as an au pair in a family of four, mom, dad, and two kids. I really had a nice time, and I thought of my au pair family as my second family abroad. They were loving, intelligent, open-minded. Even after my official time there, I returned for Christmas and the following summer holidays. They saw me as a daughter, as they, as they told me. The mother is very strong and intelligent. She gave me advice when I had problems concerning guys, family, etc. Also, the father was always there for me. They even met my parents and stayed at my family's place. I always thought I'd found a place, a family, friends. I kind of left a piece of my heart there. Until two years ago. I was there for two months and fell in love with a guy who worked for my au pair parents. We had a wonderful few weeks together and really enjoyed being around each other. He stayed overnight. He stayed for family dinners. We made plans for him visiting me. We really wanted to make it work and give us a chance, even though we knew it was going to be very hard as we were living in different countries. One week before I left, we hadn't seen each other in two days, and he called it off. He said he had to reflect on the situation and had changed his mind. I was completely crushed. 
My au pair parents were very supportive at that time and listened to me. One day when my mother went to work, I didn't feel like doing anything except for lying on the couch watching TV and waiting for the day of my departure. The father stayed home as well. He sat down on the couch and said, everything's going to be all right. And then he kissed me. I was completely in shock and did not know what to do. He told me that he loved me since the day we met five years ago. I asked him, what are you doing? You just cheated on your wife. I told him that I really liked him, but I never thought of him as a potential lover, more as a brother or a good friend. I went upstairs to my room and he followed me. I was completely frozen and couldn't move. And he started kissing me, even though I said no more than one time. I was so confused. I was in so much pain just being stood up by a guy I really liked and made plans with. At the same time, angry and confused by the behavior of the father. At some point, the father went to get a condom. That was when I not only was verbally, but also physically able to make him understand that I didn't want any kind of physical contact with him. And that was when he stopped. The next days were just awful. I felt so bad for the wife and did not know what to do. Should I tell her? But I couldn't leave. I had nowhere to go. So I stayed. When they bought When they brought me to the airport, me and the father were alone for a few minutes and that he told me he didn't stop kissing me because he wanted me to enjoy it and that he was afraid I would never come back. As I stood there, knowing I would definitely never come back, I just said goodbye and left. The following weeks, I got a lot of messages from him saying that he loves me. I just told him to leave me alone. He did not want to accept this and called and wrote endlessly. He was stalking me. I was and still am afraid of him. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling both so sad for her and so angry at the father for crossing the line and touching me, even though I told him not to. But the person I am most angry with is me. I have been asking myself, why didn't you scream or or tell him off immediately when he started kissing you? The stalking eventually ended when I changed my phone number and blocked both the mother and father on social media. The reason why I decided not to tell the mother is that I am sure she would not have believed me. To my knowledge, she and him had a wonderful relationship, and I am afraid he would turn the whole thing around and make me look like the well-known cliche of the au pair who seduces the father. Plus, I feel so ashamed. I haven't heard from them in a year, but I still cannot get closure. I think about it every day. Am I wrong in not telling the mother? During the time where the father stalked me with phone calls and messages, he got really aggressive, and I want to protect me as well as my family. Can you give me any advice on how to get closure with this chapter? Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Elle, for writing. This is a, a really harrowing thing that you have been through. It is absolutely a harrowing letter, and that's a wonderful um, vocab choice, Mr. Mm-hmm. English major. Um, yes, Elle, we are so sorry that this happened to you and is continuing to happen to you mm-hmm. because a grown man is routinely breaking boundaries against you for sure um there are so many layers to this um and i just want to first start out other than saying we're so sorry this happened to you none of this is your fault you Mm -hmm. did not ask for this um in addition to that i want to say it is not your job to convince anyone of the wrong that happened to you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if the mother doesn't believe you. Nope. This is real and this needs to stop. Yep. Um, like you say, you're concerned for your family. You're concerned for that family. I hear a lot of, I, despite this horrible betrayal of trust that he enacted upon you, um, I still hear you caring for his family yep. in this letter. Mm-hmm. 
and I want to say like how beautifully woman of you, Mm -hmm. because we all know that women are capable of nurturing until they are bled dry. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want you to take the family out of this equation, take this man out of this equation, take this woman out of this equation. We are only here to, to uplift you and make you feel safe. That's right. So yes. Uh, Let's get down to business. Number one, I would say block his phone number, block his email. Yes, which Um, sounds like you have done already, which is great. Yes. I would potentially reach out to the organization through which you you booked this gig, Mm -hmm. this job, because I know a lot of... um, uh, of these jobs of this nature go through an agency yep. and I would probably report him to the agency. Um, and you can choose to have no action taken for it, but that will at least um, ensure that they're not, they don't have another young woman placed in their home. For sure. Yep. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, I just want to say this was not your fault, your reaction to it was not the wrong reaction. The reaction to it was exactly what you needed to do in the moment that it happened. Mm -hmm. You didn't scream because you didn't scream, right? Right. And we all react to people's aggression in different ways. There are learned responses that we all have in those situations, and you picked the response that worked best for you in that moment. Right. And that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There there is no fault to be placed at your feet for that. all of the blame in the situation is on the father, yes, right? Is on, on a this, grown man. On this grown man who did this thing to you, right. right? And so your reaction to it, the way that you are coping with it, the anxiety that you're having right now about how to handle this, none of that is your fault. That is just the shit that you got placed with. Right, absolutely. Right? And it's, it is... In situations like this, it is not our fault for not being equipped to be able to handle the situation in the perfect way, right? Right. Right? Like, it is not our fault for for not being able to think through all of the contingencies and plan everything out so that we can perfectly react when someone does something shitty to us. Right. Right? We can't do that. Especially and- when we we haven't been betrayed by the world yet. (laughs) I I mean that genuinely in terms of like, I I think I had to learn that humans were capable of being this shitty. Yeah. And humans that we think are great. And And professionally too. Like I've had to have my professional boundaries overstepped to remind me that like, just because you put on a suit in the morning doesn't mean you're not a fallible human. For sure. Yep. Ugh. I know. It makes me feel sick to my stomach. Me too. Well, and I want to say too, L, like, let's acknowledge the nuance and complicatedness of this scenario. Not that it's complicated, like he was wrong and you did nothing wrong. That's not complicated. That's That's black and white. (laughs) What's hard is you were with this family for so long. Mm -hmm. We inherently want to see the good in people. Yep. We want to believe that they are hurting and that's why they hurt us. Yep. So it's hard. What you're experiencing is hard. You're grieving something, right? Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that he um, overstepped so many personal physical boundaries yep. and your trust, on top of that, you feel for this family in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Or And you're angry and you're sad and you're frustrated and you're regretful and, and all of these things. It's complicated. So yep. I, I guess what, I just want to give you permission to f- 
that it's okay to feel conflicting things too. For sure. All of the different things all at the same time. But you don't need to fix any of this for this family. No. Um, you don't even need to tell the mother if you don't want to. Right. You don't have to do anything that has to do with them anymore. Right. And I think that is what what I want to come back to is, is again, take all of this other stuff out of it, right? And focus on you. So what do you need? Right. Um, you know, I think one of the things that it's clear that you need is like time to process this right. and time to process it without feeling guilty for the, the mother in the situation or for the kids in the situation, right? You need to focus on you and what you need to be doing right now. If you get to a point where you decide like for closure's sake, I need I need the the wife to know about the situation. We can figure out a way to to make that happen. You can send them a letter so that they don't know where your address is, like mm-hmm. with no turn address on it, right? You don't have to get in contact with them by phone or by internet so that they can't reach you, mm-hmm. right? Come up with a fake email address and send a letter, right? But I don't want it to be driven in any way by guilt or shame about the situation that you feel like you need to somehow explain to this woman why you did this thing right. because you didn't do this thing, right? This thing was done to you. Right. And so if it if you need the closure of just having her know that this was your experience, we can figure out how to do that. But if you are doing it because you feel guilty or ashamed of what you did, then that's not that's not going to heal you. The the healing that you need is not from there. Right. I also want to just take a minute to fucking be angry. <laughs> about being a woman mm. in professional spaces. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to share something um, un- like somewhat anonymously, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that happened to me. Um, I have been self-employed for so many years, mm-hmm. um, but within those years I decided to take a job, Mm -hmm. um, that I was uniquely qualified for. Um, and I took a job because it was involved. It it had to do with poetry and it had to do with, uh, teaching spoken word to young people. Mm -hmm. And I got to be the director of a program that brought spoken word into high schools. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was so thrilled to have that job because I thought finally all of my hard work has paid off and now equates this very good, well-paying job. Mm -hmm. Right. And at that fucking job, um, without revealing too many details, um, I eventually left that job due to overt and introvert in, in what's the opposite of overt? Is that a word? Covert? Sure. Um, <laughs> direct and indirect sexual harassment based off of my, uh, from my boss and my boss's wife. Um, my boss's wife was convinced that I was a threat to her husband. Mm. Um, and then my boss, my direct report um, on a very small team, no longer spoke to me because I was a woman and he didn't want to upset his wife. Mm. And um, there was like an internal investigation and my boss ended up resigning and all of these things. But then he he didn't resign. He worked um, at night <laughs> and on the weekends. And so he would sign like I am not getting into all the details because I don't want to. Um, but this is all to say I got pushed out of a very high paying job that I was good at um, to the point where my own boss would 
uh, not answer my phone calls or not uh, would speak to one of my team members who was a direct report to me instead of me, all because I was a woman, because me and my body, no matter my qualifications, no matter how good I was at that job, I was still just a woman. Yep. I just, I was still just a walking sexualized thing right. um, that it didn't matter that I was like a badass at that job and I'd worked my whole life to be qualified for that job. Um, I was still just a woman at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a history of this. There's a history of um, internalized patriarchy where women turn against other women to uplift the men in their lives. And there's also a history of men being incapable of working with women because they're incapable of seeing them as professional equals. Yep. Um, and I still haven't really spoken about that job or leaving that job publicly until today, really. <laughs> um, but I just want to extend my love and and extreme genuine frustration in like my my kindred frustration to UL um and I want I want to remind you that you are worthy and qualified and professional and great at your job mm-hmm. Just because this happened doesn't mean you are not a professional. No. Just because this happened does not mean you are not qualified um, to do this work and to do this work very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did nothing to deserve this. Uh, and and it really fucking sucks that this happened to you because you're a woman. Yep. Yeah. Period. That sucks. For sure. And I will say, on behalf of men... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, men, we need to understand that our presence is in many ways an aggressive presence simply because we are men, right? And that even though we may be acting with the best intentions in expressing desires that we may have for other people, the fact that we are men and the fact that we have power over people means that the way that we per- the way that we interact with people inherently has power and aggression. And so it may be that you think that you are being a kind person or approaching someone in a way that is respectful, but if you have any positional power over any person, you should not be approaching them with any desire that you have for them physically or romantically. Right. Right? And it it is it sucks, right? The patriarchy sucks for everyone. Right. <laughs> but that is the reality of the world that we live in. And so don't do this shit. Yes. Even if you are in love with this person, if you have any sort of positional power over them, do not do it. And I know it's that essentially saying like I don't respect you as a professional individual. Right. And it is all like we just have to be and in it's fact, dehumanizing. Right. The fact that we like and physical touch and and kissing without consent is not like a romantic thing. It is a physically aggressive thing because of the way in which men are viewed in our society. And so I know it's a burden to bear and I'm sorry, (laughs) (laughs) but we have to be aware of our physical presence around people. Right. And, and I am just so disappointed in our inability to be able to understand that. Right. But I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to keep saying it over and over again, that this is something that we have to be aware of and we have to be thinking differently about how we express our desires for people. Right. And that barista is not always hitting on you. No. Sometimes people flirt to get money out of us. Um, okay. Back to UL to close this out. Um, we hope this, at, at the very least, uh, you feel 
in your bones, in your body, this is not your fault. Yep. That your reaction to it was not wrong. It was just a reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we expect to respond perfectly when we are um, subjugated to to violence, yep. to disrespect, to um, a grown man being a piece of garbage? Like, right. Yep. You did the best that you could, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um. We believe in you. We love you. We want you to take the time to heal and uplift yourself. And um, we hope this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. All right. Our final letter is from Heidi M., who is writing to us from Minneapolis. Dear Sierra and Sam, I recently stumbled upon the podcast, and I have to say a big thank you. It is so evident that you both pour so much thought, honesty, and care into the way you approach these topics. I am writing because I am drowning in my feelings about my relationship. I have been with my boyfriend for seven months. We are both 23. This is my first real relationship. For the second time since we started dating, I have wrestled with this gut feeling that I should break up with him. Each time the feeling comes up, It is absolutely consuming for about a week or so, and then once my feelings have settled, everything is great again. When I am with him, I am happy, and things are easy between us. I have chalked up my big, clouding doubts to be be caused by my own overthinking. Falling in love is the easy part. Staying in love takes work on the relationship. I have had doubts about his level of ambitions and what his goals are for life. He recently graduated from college and is in the job search process. I have felt as though he has not taken this job search seriously enough. I can tell he is overwhelmed and uncomfortable, and so I have tried to be a resource for him, and I have tried to balance being an open and supportive listener with pushing him to be more motivated. This has been difficult for me as I consider myself ambitious and I have always tended to have my life more, quote, together than the average person for my age. I understand that people do not follow the same timelines or paths and milestones look different for everyone. I have kept telling myself to be patient, but my my doubt about his ambition worries me for the long-term future. He has made jokes about us being married with me being the breadwinner and him as the trophy husband. Though these comments are jokes, it scares me that he thinks of being with me as a career option. (laughs) I want him to have passion. While he's in the process of searching for a job, there have been other ways I think he could show growth and progress, none of which he has pursued unless I've said something. I encourage him to stop smoking, to clean up his living space, to step up around the house he's living with his parents until he can afford to move out. And the way he speaks about these topics leads me to believe that he's only doing them for me. I want him to be an agent in his own life and to do these things because he wants them for himself, not because I told him to do these things. I feel I have been put in the role of, quote, coach in the relationship rather than that of a partner. And while he is always supportive and understanding in the classic way of I believe you, I do not feel like he pushes me to grow. I recognize it is not his job to push me to grow, but I want a partner who inspires me to be better than myself. I do feel, I do not feel like this love has the potential to grow with me. Lately, I've felt smothered by his I love yous. If you were to ask him if he thinks I am, quote, the one for him, I think he would say yes. He frequently tells me how much I mean to him. Each time I go through these waves of indecision, I do not feel like I I can reciprocate his words of affirmation. 
If I had to summarize, I have a nagging feeling that there is someone else out there who can love me more deeply. I feel foolish to think about throwing out a good love for the idea that there is a greater love out there. I am happy, safe, and loved, and things are great until I hear that whisper of doubt in my head saying, I have to break up with him, don't I? I feel incredibly guilty and selfish at the thought of breaking up with him because I know it would be he would be totally blindsided. I tried to shield him from my own indecision and save him from my ups and downs, but I recognize that in effort, I have just hidden my feelings from him and therefore taken away any opportunity for change. I do know, do not know how to have an open conversation that will not end in a breakup. I would love your advice on how to talk to him about how I'm feeling, how to discern if this is this gut feeling is the one that should be listened to, or if having these big doubts so early in the relationship indicates that we should, just like the title of this podcast, <laughs> break up. Many thanks, Heidi. Mm. Thank you so much for writing, Heidi, fellow Miss Minneapolis. That's right. Um. Yeah, Sam. First. First takes. <laughs> Heidi. If you are afraid of having an open and honest relationship with your partner... Conversation. Yes. Uh, Yes, open and honest conversation, not relationship. (laughs) Rewind. Uh, But if you are afraid of having an open and honest conversation with your partner because you don't see how it can end without you breaking up, it's time to break up. Yeah. And I think breaking up with a good love because you believe that there is a greater love out there is the sad, real truth about mm-hmm. relationships. Yep. You're right. Staying in love, being in a relationship takes work. Yep. But you've been together for long enough to where you should either be like, yes, I'm in it, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm not in it mm-hmm. anymore. Yep. And at this stage in your life, you should be trying people on. Is that a weird thing to say? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you should be like a serial heartbreaker (laughs) Um, and you don't need to be like romantically promiscuous at all, but there's nothing wrong with not being content. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. For sure. Yes. And I think, I mean, you said it, right? You are growing right now at different speeds. Right. And that, um, and that sucks, but you can't force him to, you cannot force him to your speed. Yes. Right. And I think that's where the big conflict in here is coming from is you're like, here are all of the things that I want out of my life and my relationship. And those aren't, those are no longer aligned with the things that you want out of this relationship. Right. And that, that's shitty. Um, and it really sucks to be in that position, but it, it happens. Right. right? It is a reality that I think a lot of us go through when suddenly we, we turn to the person next to us and we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Right. When did we become totally different people right. that are incapable of of now growing together? Right. And I think I think I want to say to you, you are never going to meet a perfect person who has all of the things checked off for you, right? Like I think That's a great point. Like I I don't want to say like you should break up with him because he smokes or because he uh isn't working enough on himself like I think that you're always going to, like, people are always sort of uh, coming to relationships with different things, and you're never going to find someone who checks off every single box for you. Mm-hmm. But I will say that it is not your job to motivate him in this relationship. It is not your job to mother him into growing up at this point, right? And I 
And I feel you doing that. And I feel you you getting really frustrated about that. And I want to say that you don't have to do that anymore. Right. right? Like you can say, I'm going to work on myself right now. Right. I'm going to find someone who wants to work on themselves in partnership with me. Right. Someone that I don't have to grab by the ear and drag along with me. Right. I think the most mature thing in this letter, Heidi, is you acknowledging that... Uh, in addition to your self-growth, mm-hmm. right, and your ambition, it's you acknowledging that you haven't um, given him the chance mm-hmm. to know your true, authentic feelings about it. Like, that you haven't, there hasn't been chance for change because you haven't been 100% honest with him yep. about these discomforts. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm in team just break up. Yep. <laughs> um But I do think there's something to be said about having a conversation with your boyfriend that is honest about why you're unhappy and why you are going to leave. For sure. Right? Where you can say, um, and I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, Sam, but you could say, like, I I need these things to change or I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, these are this is why I'm moving on. Yep. Um, But you can say very bluntly without disparaging him as a human being or hurting um, or like being insulting to him, you can say, um, I feel like I have to mother you Mm -hmm. and that doesn't make me feel like we have a very sustainable relationship. For sure. I'm afraid that you don't have ambition um, and it concerns me that you want to be my trophy wife. Mm. Um, I am hiding this from you because I have been hiding this from you because I don't want to make you feel bad. But at the same time, it's making me have great emotional distance between you and I. And it's making me incapable of seeing a future together. For sure. Like sometimes people do need that hard and fast line, like either shape up or ship out, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Um, But I, so I wanted to say that first, like you can, you're right. You have not given him the chance because you haven't shown him the extent and the severity of your doubt. For sure. Which, However, yeah, but go I, ahead. But I also want to say to you in that, that that's a, that is a learning moment right. as well, right? Like, don't let it get to a point again where you are this unhappy and the only way that you can have an honest conversation with someone is to break up with them, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I'm unhappy, bye. Right? Like, <laughs> like, I'm not trying, I'm absolutely not blaming you for anything. Like, you know, we are all on our journey and we are all continuing to learn as we are in relationship with people, right? Right. But I would encourage you to take this as a learning moment to say, how can I have conversations with my partner about moments in which I'm unhappy or moments in which he makes a joke that doesn't sit right with me or causes me concern? How can I have that conversation earlier and upfront so that I either don't waste time on a relationship that I have significant doubts about. Right. Or so that we can figure out how to grow together to make sure that our goals are aligned, that we want to be in this relationship, that we want the same things out of this relationship so that it doesn't get however many months or years down the line and then suddenly it comes out of the blue that this that you are this unhappy. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, yeah. I also want to say one other thing which is that, you know, you talked about how you don't want him to, or you want him to want to be ambitious um, and that, you know, you don't want him to do it because you asked him to do it or because you asked him to do these things. And again, I just want to push back and say, like, sometimes in relationships, people do things for people and that's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Because people, like, Peter doesn't want to make the bed. He makes the bed because I asked him to. <laughs> right. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It just means that 
he's never going to want to make it and he's doing something nice for me. Yes. So there is sort of like a, like a gray a area there, yeah. in there, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, of course you don't want to mother someone, but you also, we do need to learn how to make space for the fact that sometimes people do things for us because they love us Yes. and they're not going to want to do it on their own. We're never a hundred percent compatible. No, Absolutely. There's a give and take all the time. But I, I do, upon reading your letter, I think both Sam and I thought it's, it's you're unhappy. Yep. And when it's not right, it's not right. That's right. And it, this sucks. It's going to be really hard. It's going to yeah. be a really hard conversation for both of you. Um, and we're here for you, right? Yeah. We're, we recognize that this is not easy advice to hear, that it's not a fun process to go through. You're going to come out of it a different person. You're going to come out of it with things that you've learned and you're going to come out of it with more tools in your tool belt to help you approach different relationships in a different way. Exactly. Thank you so much for writing, Heidi. We love you. All right. That brings us to our blind date segment of the episode. This is the segment where we try to hook you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, our blind date is... The Clue app. Okay. This is for folks who menstruate and mm-hmm. who want to track their menstruation cycle. Okay. Um, it, I've been using the Clue uh, tracking app for probably seven years now. Wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, I love this app and it was suggested to me um, because not only is like it as a program very reliable, never has any glitches, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's also very sleek, gender neutral, kind of charming, I would even say. Oh, nice. Um, you have an opportunity to enter in um, uh, daily happenings for your body, whether it's bees, like you're bleeding, like mm-hmm. what type of um, flow you're having, yep. but also cramps, mood swings, the type of sex you had, whether it was protected, unprotected, mm-hmm. um, any bodily fluid that you want to track, and also things like skin, hunger, energy level. We all know that... Uh, Despite um, your gender, we all have cycles of hormones in our bodies. And um, this, I just don't think that there came a point where in my early 20s where I was like, I think I know when my period's coming. (laughs) (laughs) I cry once a month irrationally, Uh you know. Um, But using the Clue app has helped me cue into my body so much more. Whereas before I used to think, oh, my boobs are tender. But now I have a place to put that information Mm -hmm. and a place to sort of uh, track things, right. uh, preempt things, packed tampons or a diva cup when I need it, things like that. Um, it's been so reliable. It, yeah, I couldn't, I can't speak high, more highly of it. I've used it yeah. for seven straight years. I can't believe I haven't like right. suggested it since then. Anyway, it's called, the app is called Clue and it's for those folks who need to track their menstruation. Great. Love it. Thank you all so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at JustBreakUpPod. You can also slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our new merchandise. You can get a Just Break Up sweatshirt or t-shirt for a friend or family member this holiday season. Send them a don't text them mug, things like that. Get those orders in so they get to you before Christmas Eve. That's right. Also, this is today is the last day of the sale. Take advantage of the Cyber Monday sale and get your holiday shopping done today. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review 
And please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, you for $5 a month, you get an additional bonus weekly episode, patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the lights on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our good friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, your gut, that feeling inside you, tapping on your shoulder, telling you to turn away, telling this doesn't feel good, trust your gut. Your intuition has been built over up over years and years, and it's trying to tell you something's wrong. Believe in yourself. Your intuition is growing stronger every single day, and you are guided by your past and your experience. Trust your feelings, your insights, and forgive yourself for the times in which you didn't trust yourself and you didn't respond in the way that you wanted to. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>